are thrilled to have the institutional fundraising platform Instrumental join us as a multi-episode sponsor in Season 5. Instrumental CEO Gary Monglick has created a mini-series of grant tips to help you be more efficient and strategic in your grant seeking. In general, what are some lesser-known prospecting strategies that can move the needle for grant seekers? I've got two strategies uh, that you should consider. The first is what we call reverse search. It's to look up nonprofits that are similar to yours to see who's funded them to get new ideas for prospects you may not have considered. You can do that really uh, easily and instrumental. You can look up a similar nonprofit in your community or similar nonprofit working elsewhere um, and get a sense of potentially new prospects. The second is when you're trying to build a relationship with a funder, don't only look for connections at that funder, uh, at that funder's organization, also look for connections at their past grantees to see if you could at least reach out. Maybe they will give you some advice on how to pursue the funder and maybe even facilitate an introduction. To find out more, check out instrumental.com. Use coupon code HEYDAY50 for $50 off the first month of Instrumental. That's I-N-S-T-R-U-M-E-N-T-L dot com. Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Heisei-Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to... Season 5 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are here to help you make sense of the complex world of grant writing and fundraising, whether you work for a nonprofit, local government, or a consultant who serves them. On Fundraising Heyday, we will cover the how-tos for sure, but we also want to explore the whys of things, including taking a little sharp stick and poking the bear of inequity that roams in the forest of philanthropy because sometimes you need to poke the bear because sometimes the bear needs to move on. True that. And as always, we're doing this every two weeks with the help of experts in the field in our particular brand of entertainment, mm-hmm. which may include songs and cheesy sound effects mm-hmm. and, of course, a y'all gets thrown in here <laughs> and there. Um, because learning does not have to be boring, y'all. So... Let's get going. I see what you did there. This podcast is brought to you by our Season 5 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know? that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. Well, hey there, dear listeners. In case we don't say it enough, we're so very glad you're here with us. It sometimes boggles my mind that we're in our fifth season of this gig because it's just as fun as it was on day one. It really is. This is one of the most favorite things that I do connected to the world of fundraising and grant seeking and philanthropy. Truly, truly it is. And I have my brilliant co-host to thank. Right back at you. So today with my brilliant co-host, we're bringing you another how-to because we, while we love chatting with our guests and clearly we have no problem showing the the changes we feel are needed in our field. Thoughts and feelings abound in this podcast. Um, But part of why we also started this was to help grant professionals out there who are doing the nitty gritty work. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Um, we see you. Heck, we're right there in the trenches with you. I've got an application. I got to finish up this afternoon as soon as we finish recording. Um, and we know you're slogging through those applications after application and the million and one questions funder ask of us and we've got to answer them all. So we need these how-tos. We need these how-tos. And um, I'm real excited today that we're going to talk about one of my very favorite, oh, so favorite, most beloved special questions, she said sarcastically. Um, and it's the old chestnut how will you sustain this program when the grant funding is over? Okay, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go off on a rant, but I think this question absolutely sucks. I think that there are so many different ways to support communities who are working with nonprofits in order to um, grow and change and thrive, right? Um, and I'm also like, you like it so much, you sustain it. Oh, foundation with lots of money. But today, we're going to talk about how to answer that question. And we're going to dig a little deeper into the concept. Because while I want to push for change to eliminate that question or change the thinking around it, that question is out there. And for example, if Amanda has to answer that question today, it's not going to do her any good to be like, I protest this question. I shall not answer it. That's not going to get the money through the door. So it's this is about playing the game, knowing that the rules might be stacked against you. And we want to take you through some ideas about how to answer the sustainability question on a proposal so that in an honest and thoughtful way, so you can get the points necessary to get the money to help the people do the good things. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Everything she said, I can agree with. We should go with that, right? It's Thank yeah. you. So, Kimberly, why don't you start us off with a quick description about the difference between a sustainability plan for your organization and your programs versus answering the sustainability question in a grant proposal? Because they are two different things. They're two different sort of medium to answer this the 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 overarching uh, question of sustainability. And when we're talking about sustainability today, as just a super quick definition, just to, to, so that we'll all be on the same page, or at least in the same book, or at least in the same library, whatever, is sustainability, what we're talking about here is having a plan or answering a question that has to do with how the program, project, or entire organization or agency for which you are creating this grant, how are they going to ensure that moving forward, the things that they're doing are um, keep serving the community they serve in the best possible, most viable way that doesn't hurt future efforts? So with that sort of umbrella description, real quick, I, I just, I, even though the last two and a half years have taught us that you can make all the plans that you want about your business, your life, your family, and something can come along. It's, it, it's war. It's a pandemic. It's crazy town it, all over the place. Um, but having some kind of plan in place from a personal to a business level, I believe gives you some kind of bedrock to sort of stand on when things get 
dicey so that you have some options because you've thought them out in advance. So for me, a sustainability plan is just that. And it's often a part of a strategic plan. It should be a living document. You might, you, you might yourself work for an agency or with an agency that has um, financial sustainability as one of the pillars of its strategic plan. Yay, how easy is that? Then it exists within the strategic plan. I'm also a fan of at least talking through some plans uh, not a five-year plan. How about a two-year plan with contingencies? But the plan is where you're sitting down with um, the, the communities that you serve, with leaders of your organization and staff and volunteers, put, bringing everybody to the table to think about what are the ways that we can bring in revenue or partner in a way or redesign our operations in some way or a combination of all the things we're going to be talking about uh, during this episode to to help m- help us moving forward so then if you have if you already have that in place or at least a, dis- a viable discussion that you can draw from then you're going to be a lot more um, well prepared to answer the sustainability question in a grant application and there's no one set answer. There's no one set length. Um, I've seen some sustainability questions that were just like the one that, that I read so sarcastically, like, how will you continue this program once the grant is over? And I'm like, we're going to ask you for more money, <laughs> which is really what I want to say. Because really, because by law, you have to give out your money and you and we're doing a good job. So you should fund us. But that's not how I answer the question. Having those kinds of discussions for a grant writer maybe just getting started in his or her or their career can feel daunting, but I I think it makes a powerful argument for having a place at that table or just building your own table and inviting people to come and help you figure this out because you will need to answer that question. And people don't like to think or talk about it sometimes, just like people don't like to talk about things like retirement planning or certain health screenings or whatever it is. But, you know, if you get it out there, you're going to be ahead of the game and you're going to be able to better answer that question. And more importantly, the the community that you serve is going to be better off for it because you have thought this through and included the people who need to be there to help you answer that question. They couldn't see me, but I was nodding along the whole time. Kimberly's. <laughs> I'm glad because I was like, is oh. she, is she, I don't know. She's, I don't know. We can see each other. So it's always interesting to, to, to watch, but I, I'm glad, I'm glad that was well received. So take it away, Amanda. Well, so we've covered that tidbit. Let's then talk about. <laughs> that five... was more of an entree. Sorry. That yes. was more of an entree. Sorry, y'all. Let's go over five different sources of building sustainability. So basically five different ways you can answer this question. Things like I could do this or I could do that. So and each of these ways are kind of big overarching themes and you could really start getting into the nitty gritty of it. So um, the first one obviously is, well, we can get money other ways, right? So we're, we're not going to say, well, I'm going to write the grant again. We're, we're <laughs> we are going to write the grant again. Absolutely. You know, if, listen, if a funder will keep funding me every year after year and they keep saying yes, of course I'm going to keep coming to that well until it's dried up and they say no. Oh, as um, long as it makes sense for you and as long yeah, as your yeah. organization has a true need. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. saying that. Just saying that. But, but yes, it's, it is okay to keep going back to that funder, but they don't want you to say that in the grant proposal. It's like a little dance, a little game we all play, right? So I was probably like, you funded us for the past 20 years. We hope it keeps going. But no, I am going to... <laughs> I mean, for real. Um, But instead, I'm going to talk about what are other ways my organization can bring in money, 
right? And it's basically fundraising is kind of that overarching idea of how you can do that, right? And grant funding is one strategy of a fundraising plan, okay? Others include, you know, if you're a nonprofit, it probably includes things like donations, mm-hmm. uh, special events. Mm, my favorite. Capital campaigns, um, grants from both public and private entities, maybe, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, if you are a government agency, you may talk mostly about other public grants, maybe some private grants, but definitely public, you know, those federal and state grants. Um, you may talk about taxes, you know, it could be your hotel motel tax or property taxes or however your city, county, township, whatever you are, brings in taxes. It could be user fees, right? Cities have business license and development fees and, you know, fees for serving, you know, garbage fees and all kinds of things. Uh, Fines and forfeitures, right? If I'm doing a police department grant, You know, maybe one of the things we're doing is we're stepping up our enforcement of seatbelt because we know the importance of wearing your seatbelt. So maybe we expect by doing more enforcement, we're going to catch more people not using their seatbelt, you know, and maybe part of that, we end up writing a few tickets and that brings in more, who knows, right? And again, I'm not advocating saying that's the exact way to go, but there's just, there's options out there. So don't think, oh, we have no way to bring in money. Well, there's... There's a multitude of ways. And right? you may already be doing some of those things already, but because there are a lot of silos, right? Mm-hmm. You could, everyone doesn't, people don't always know what the other department is doing. And I have seen that happen between fundraisers and grant writers in the same organization. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not picking on yeah. police departments versus city managers oh, or whatnot. Well, and you know, and when you think about if you're a grant writer, a grant professional, like that tends to be our world. So like when I, when I used to get to the sustainability answer, my thought was, okay, well, what are the other grants out there? I could be writing for this, which is not a bad, which is not bad. No, but that's just one small part of there's other ways your organization brings money in. Right. Mm -hmm. And I I know Kimberly and I've talked about this before. I've got some statistics from the 2020 charitable giving stats from the national charitable trust. Yep. So on the private side of funding, there was $471 billion that came into the public, into the nonprofit sector, right? From whether it was from donations or this or that, Mm -hmm. but corporate giving was 16.88 billion and foundation giving was 88.55 billion. But the biggest Mm. was individual donations, which was 324 billion. So, you know, don't just go, oh, my, well, I just answer this with more grants. Well, maybe it is grants, but maybe it's also other ways. Maybe it's major gifts. Maybe it's individual giving. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's mm-hmm. lots of ways. And I'm just, think about all the different ways you can bring money in and then be very specific in your answer. Don't just say, well, I'm going to write five more grants. Okay, that's better than saying nothing. Mm-hmm. But a funder is really going to like it if you say, we have identified these five specific grants. Applications are due within the next 12 months. Um, you know, we expect to hopefully bring in this much money between these yeah. five funding sources, right? And again, it's a, it's a guess, right? Because, you know, we all know grants are competitive. You're not going to get every grant you write, or maybe you will. Maybe you have a really good year and it's a, such a great program with a great need that maybe all of them come in. Who knows? But as much information as you can give your funder of, here's the multiple different ways we have of potentially bringing in funding for this program. Here's how much money we expect to bring in through these different sources. Just the the higher score you're going to get, the more specific you can be and the more diverse you can be when it comes to money. So there you have it. 
so well summarized. It's almost like you give trainings on this or something. I think we've done we've done a few sustainability trainings lately. That seems to be our jam this year. I'm feeling uh, it. Some... I'm, I'm on the. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> even though I hate the question, I feel for people trying to answer that question, and I also feel for trying to help people and agencies think through different strategies, whether it's people I'm training or clients of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amanda did a super great job of, of, of an overview of the different kinds of money, revenue money, streams money, money, money. that you can touch. Sorry. Oh, oh <laughs> Sorry. I think we've hit the trifecta, y'all. I think we've hit the trifecta already because we've said y'all, we've had sound effects and singing just appeared. So I'm loving that. Yay, us. (laughs) We're doing podcasting day, y'all. So we're moving into the second of the five topics that we're addressing around sustainability. And we are talking about in kind, the wonderful world of in kind. I'm not just talking about your your, your scratch you got to come up with to match. I'm talking about thinking through, even within the proposal that you're writing itself, there could be built-in sustainability aspects that you can tease out. And if you're an experienced grant writer, you're like, yeah, I know, I feel you, but maybe you can also help someone figure this out or help a new client or help train other folks that you're working with or mentor someone in this. It's, It's not rocket science. It's just thinking things through. So, Resources beyond dollars, they're just, they're going to add up and they should add up. And it's a very important part of sustainability that I feel like kind of gets a short shrift, she said, enunciating yes. very carefully. Um, and I think it's just overlooked because you're just, it's such a... Because you're focused on the money. And we're not saying don't focus on the money, but we're saying expand your focus or take a panoramic view. And so that's where we're going with it. Yeah. So... Um, basics, right? If you have part of your, there are a couple of different ways to think about this. And I, 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 you will make the decision based on the particulars of the question and the proposal that you are answering. Okay. So sometimes I like to approach it from strictly addressing things around the program project or thing for which I am seeking restricted funding and that grant application. But I also if there is room and if it seems if it based on what I know about the funder and the program, it makes sense sometimes to step back and also make the argument of here are the things that we're doing that are sort of in kind related that are supporting our agency as a whole, allowing us to devote more operating budget to this particular program. And that is a powerful argument for sustainability. So just a few things, just four things I want to pop through right quick. Volunteers. If you, if you do have volunteers and you're not tracking their hours and then able to calculate the hours and a value, like maybe on independentsector.org or some other places, um, you're missing out and you're leaving some money on the table because for many organizations, such as food banks, right, volunteers who are sorting the food, they're saving the food bank from having to hire employees to sort the food. Companies are getting powerful volunteer experiences or civic organizations or individuals. It's kind of a win-win, but it's an important part of the strategy. Um, Amanda and I work with a, with a primary care clinic for people who cannot um, and do not have insurance and cannot qualify for it. And the majority of the work there is done by volunteers, by recently retired physicians or part-time physicians, nurses, pharmacists. And so it's 
very important for them to track those hours and calculate that. And that is a part of their budget. And I, I would just define in kind in this way. If you would have to pay someone to do the work that volunteers are doing, then that's a powerful argument for talking about how it sustains a program because you don't, you're not paying people yeah, to do that. But now, you're getting a great benefit. I would also caution against, you know, <laughs> Hey, well, then we'll just have volunteers do everything. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. But, you know, we're reasonable folks and thinking about how volunteers play a role in sustaining your organization is a very powerful one. If you are um, providing uh, the facility for this program, project, or thing to take place, if there is equipment associated with it that is either already existing or you've already, your agency's already bought, or you're getting it someplace else, um, through whatever agreement that may be, that's also a part to consider. Um, super quick example, and I've used this example before, but I will continue to use it because I was just like, wow, y'all. I was, I was able to have a wow, y'all moment several years ago with a, with a great agency that um, provides free legal assistance for victims of human trafficking. It's a horrible, horrible um thing that happens. And it's great that they are able to provide these qualified lawyers to help people who already been traumatized through a process, a legal process that can also be traumatizing just because of the process itself. They had put together a modest budget. Um, I was looking at their org budget and there was nothing around facilities, right? The facility costs as we were preparing to, to, to look at some grants. And I was like, well, how much do you pay in rent? Oh, well, we're here free and they were in this big, giant, ginormous um, uh, law office in, in downtown Atlanta, prime piece of real estate, offices, office supplies, all this stuff. And they weren't really adding that into their budget as an in-kind. And this was for their overall budget, but you could easily make the argument for one of their programs if you were writing a grant for it. And the how this ties into sustainability is who, who only knows what that, that property would be worth now. But I think at the time we spoke with their sort of um, house office, admin office and got an estimate because, you know, they were writing it off and they should have. Um, I think they were writing off at least 25 or $30,000 a year in rent, which actually now doesn't sound like so much because property prices have gone up a lot. But several years ago, that was a lot. And they would have had to pay rent or buy a building, right, if they hadn't had this. So, again, thinking it through, how, and I think they had like a dollar a, a lease for a dollar a year for 20 years or something like that. I mean, it was very clear that they had a sustainable way to have offices and access to all the equipment and infrastructure they needed. And for a small agency, that's a huge part of their budget. And yep. also the same argument can be made for staff if you're bringing in um, if you're asking for equipment and you already have the staff on hand who already know how to use the equipment, that is also a powerful thing to, to talk about, which leads me to thinking about capacity building and diminishing expenses as another argument in your little arsenal for how to answer the sustainability question. Um, I worked on a grant, I've worked on many grants that I'm sure you have too, where it's part of training is included or some sort of certification is included. Um, and those are things that if you if the funder funds the grant at the full amount and all those trainings and certifications and train the trainers are going to take place within your organization, well, 
that's an important part of sustainability because you're like, we're not going to be asking you for this money for these new trainings every year because we're going to have one person certified in-house to keep doing this, whether it's CPR, some sort of professional development, um, curricula, safety, whatever it is. You're building your own capacity to then not have to ask for extra funding because you've got that in-house. And um, if you also, I'll use the same grant as an example, that was a three-year grant, but the expenses were not going to be equal over those three years, right? There were diminishing expenses because all the training and most of the equipment purchases took place in the first 12 to 18 months of the grant. And then after that, it was implementation and evaluation and sort of that, then that circular process of continuous program improvement. So yet another argument for sustainability yeah, we're going to keep looking for more funding, but also our expenses are going down because you, the funder, have given us this grant to do all this training that we're not going to have to redo every year at the same expense load. So again, a powerful argument for that. Um, another sustainability answer, you're, you're, through your fundraising planning and other things that we're going to talk about, you are growing your operating budget to help cover the cost of the thing you're seeking the grant for. Or if you're asking for capital equipment, maybe, of course, only if it's true. (laughs) Please do not make these things up. (laughs) Please make sure they're true. (laughs) Public service announcement. Please do not be lying about this. Um, Or anything else in your grant application. It's just not a great idea. It's just not Not a great idea. I'm not not with you on that. (laughs) So, because don't, please don't do that. So if it's true, or it could be a powerful argument for you as the grant writer to go, Hey y'all, we probably need to build a reserve around capital equipment because the yeah. funder's probably going to be like, which actually ask me how I know. It's like, hey, we need these trucks and forklifts. And the funder's like, hey, we're interested, but how come you don't have that in your budget to buy it? And then the the, the part of me was like, really? Because we're not sitting on a $20 million asset that you are. And I knew that because I went in there 990s because I'm petty like that. But you're not petty. That's smart research. Well, I'm also like, I'm, they're like, how are yeah. you going to sustain that? I'm like, how do you sustain your fancy offices? But that doesn't help get the grant to get more people fed. So, you know, sometimes you just yes. got to shuck the anger and move, move on, on with your life. But having a reserve plan, it's like, if you, if you give us the money to buy 10 forklifts and a tractor trailer, well, over the next five years, we're going to have a series of special campaigns around building our capital reserve. We're going to seek partnerships with some more dealers um, in these kinds of pieces of equipment and just addressing that. So mm-hmm. that's it for in kind. And I think Amanda is going to say, don't hate, collaborate. That's right. Mm-hmm. You took the words right out of my mouth. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so point three is collaboration. And this is something I like to try to do beforehand, right? So it's not like, hey, now that we have the grant, we're going to collaborate. I like to be able to, from the get-go, say, we're already talking of thinking about sustainability, and we've already put these sustainability practices into place to help ensure the long-term success of our program, right? And most folks, by that folks, I mean, funders and by funders I might mean program officers or, or grant applications but they're going to require if you're like we collaborate with everyone we are such good collaborators I'll be like oh yeah prove it and prove proving it. it usually means a memorandum of understanding or a memorandum of agreement an MOU or an MOA so YOU yeah. needs to get started on that before um <laughs> long before 
the last yes. week before the grant is due. Just absolutely, say. absolutely. And like Kimberly says, anytime I've done training and talk about collaboration and ask, you know, who collaborates? Everybody. Oh yes, we collaborate all the time. We're so good asking, at that. <laughs> when we start asking for examples. It's like, well, we give support letters to our. Fe- which is fabulous. Support letters are lovely and nice, and I need them many a time in a grant application. That's a beautiful start. But I'm talking about some, some real collaboration, right? The real sharing of resources to save money, okay? We're talking things or to like... to develop programs that better serve the community. Yes, also. absolutely. You know, and so there's all kinds of things that you yep. can share, right? Yep. Yep. You can share buildings. You can share vehicles, staff. Equipment, technology, supplies, right? And it could be things like, um, I've worked in a place before where we, um, almost every city has some of the same things, right? You all have a court system. Because <laughs> One hopes. Tickets, yes. You, I mean, certainly some cities provide more services than others, but there are some pretty standard things, yeah, yeah. right? Well, if your court system is only operational two days a week, and your neighboring city's court ser- service is also only operating two days a week, because you're Georgia and you have all these cities because stupid. <laughs> That's Sorry. another podcast for another day. Um, but do you both need your own court system? Do no. you both need a full-time court clerk? Do you no. both need? Probably not, right? So no. what about sharing a building? So now you're cutting down all, like, it's not just your mortgage you're cutting in half, but your electricity, your other, you know, water and all that kind of stuff, right? So maybe even the staffing. So there's, there's certainly ways that you can share things, you know, does every police department need its own SWAT, you know, armored SWAT vehicle? You do not want to get me started on that. Okay. <laughs> does any, probably, just, yeah, probably, you know, is it, you know, I can see the big cities across our country may use it on a more regular basis, but some of this, you know, suburban communities probably don't need an armored SWAT car for a daily, monthly, even some, maybe not even yearly use. Right. And public safety is one of those things. Don't get me wrong. I love my police officers that I've worked with. I've worked with some really amazing police officers. Do they need the right equipment to get their job done? Yes. Sure. But do they all need the same SWAT? No, probably no. not. Now, could, no. could 10 communities all within the same County that are pretty close to one another, share the same resource absolutely or if you're in georgia could 10 cities all within two miles of each other yeah exactly i mean because i'm bitter party of one these are you know i mean i'm not even whether even whether or not you believe with equipment policing let's talk let's talk buses if you're a rec center that you need a bus occasionally for you know in the summer program you do two field trips a, a week for your field for your summer programs well if the neighboring community's rec center also only does two field trips. Do you both need your own bus or could you share and coordinate? And, you know, so like it's there's just so ways. many ways that you can collaborate just, just in building your programs to begin with that you're building sustainability from the beginning because you're only having to pay half the cost, which means you're only having to pay half the maintenance, which means you're only having to pay half the continuation of, right? So think about the things that you could potentially collaborate to help share money and help share resources, right? Um, but it's not just the sharing of things. Right. I think collaboration is also the sharing of experiences, both your successes and your failures, right? Because it saved time for all of your other partner agencies, right? So they don't have to reinvent the will or do it 
wrong 12 times before they figure it out. So other ways that you can collaborate that helps with sustainability is going together on grant applications, right? I feel like we need a sound effect for this. What, dun, for dun, dun, dun. Because we've all been trained and brainwashed to think, no, we must compete for every grant dollar. And I'm like, not all the time. So yeah. I don't, what would that sound effect be? Dun, 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 dun. Not all the time. Okay. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. <laughs> yeah. So think about whether, you know, if there's, if there's little, if there's five churches that are all doing food pantries, oh hello, why why compete when y'all could come together and then suddenly instead of each serving <laughs> two hundred people, you're now serving a thousand people, right? What Your a scope what is a bigger. crazy you're, thing for churches to do. Who and then that that church who really could use a massive you know deep freezer or a big uh, some sort of vehicle to do home deliveries that really can't afford it. But maybe you could afford a fifth of it, right? That's so, right. So just think about those social things. Another part of collaboration, I think, which also you're going to like be like, Amanda, are you serious? But yes, I am. Don't apply for funding if it's a better fit or for a partner agency of yours. Dung, dung. That was, I know. That was in order. <laughs> yeah. That was. <laughs> Rules and regulations. Here we come. Um, no, but I... I love it. I think we've told this story before, but during COVID, a uh-huh. client, Kimberly and I share, uh-huh. they had a funder that says, hey, we have money for you. And they were like, yeah, we're not struggling right now because because we have so many volunteers, because we were able to um, do a lot of things virtually with the resources we yep. already have, we, we, we're paying our bills, no problem. But we know that there's some other clinics out there that are not in the same boat. They need to get this grant, not yep. us. And like the funder came back to them like two or three times, kept trying to give them money. And they were like, we don't need it, but it needs to go here. Now talk about a selfless sustainability. We we are sustaining ourselves. We need you to sustain those who aren't. That's just. I remember the opposite of that. And I just feel yeah. compelled to share. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to anonymize it. <clears throat> Years ago. In a I attended, I mean, no, seriously, this, this was way pre-pandemic, but it stuck with me because I was like, wow, I attended an in-person session about how to succeed in writing federal grants. It was earlier in my career. I always want to learn. I'm there. The person leading this session, according to their their bio, had been super successful at this, and they were speaking at a national conference, and so, okay. But they told this tale of it was of how to win by, I, I don't, I, by using percentages and not paying attention to numbers and bragged about it and stood there and said that they got a federal grant for their, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to, a school system somewhere, somewhere in our country of the United States of America, um, where they had beat out a school system that actually had greater need because they talked about a percentage of increase and really uh, focused on that and kind of laughed about it. And that has always, 
I, and I was sitting near the front of the room, so I couldn't be all dramatic. I didn't want to be all dramatic and walk out, but I was like, okay, you, I'm going to, today I'm learning what not to do and how not to be. And that was years ago. I have not seen this person present since. And the sad thing was they were probably, they were very good at what they did, Yeah. but they were working it to get the money, even knowing that other school systems needed it worse and were happy that they had figured out a way to game it so that it looked like their place was needy too. And I just yeah. have 0% time for that. But unfortunately, that's kind of the way most nonprofits and government agencies have been geared to think. Yeah. And I think it's wrong. And I really think there should be more examples, thoughtful examples of, do we really need this? What if we did that? If the mm -hmm. agency kept coming back to the primary care clinic and trying to give them money, maybe another thing to think about in the future is get it and then subgrant it out. I don't even know what to say. It's, like, it's like she sees my next point on oh, my list of things to talk about. It's almost like I did. It's almost like there's an outline. <laughs> it's almost like I'm going to hush now. No, you're fine. <laughs> But yeah, man, that was that was that was a sad day. But yes. there've been many happy days since then as yes. well. Okay, yeah, subcontracting to other local agencies and how this you're like, but Amanda, what's what does that have to do with sustainability? Well, huh? if your agency is able, you have the resources and the ability to get this, you know, a large federal grant, and then you can subcontract it to all these different nonprofits that maybe they, that they themselves could not get the direct award. But they're a, they've got their own resources that they can put towards whatever that programming is. And it's especially if you're a local government agency, they're able to do things that you can't. Or maybe that they oftentimes nonprofits can provide services better than a local than a government agency. Whether or not that's good is another podcast for another that's day. Another day. And, not, and not everything, right? So, but... All that to say is by subcontracting, you're providing resources to other agencies, but they're bringing their own staff and resources to the table as well. So it just expands the ability of that program to keep going and to do better and to do more. So, and another thing I would say is just sharing your grant knowledge. If you happen to be the agency that knows how to work the system and so you are able to keep getting that funding, maybe share that with those agencies who need it even more. Because ultimately, the whole point of sustaining programs is to continue to serve the people that need it most. So those are the programs that we hopefully are sustaining, not the ones that just because I know how to play the game. So, yeah. So our how-to has turned a little preachy. Oh, God, it's us. Have you met us? us. Have you met uh, us? No. So, okay. Anyway, so we're just like part four. <laughs> I, thought you yes. said, I thought you said parkour, and it took me <laughs> into that weird meme um, that, yeah, where the, you know that TikTok thing where they're like, parkour. <laughs> so I'm just going to shut up now. I'm actually not going to shut up. I'm just going to talk about another way to add, if it is true, if this is really happening for you and you can prove this within your organization, another way to answer the sustainability question. And that's sometimes a sub question that the funder will go ahead and ask you, but I'm saying you can also talk about the sustainability of the program as directly tied to the actual cost to the community you serve or society at large for not having full funding. Beyond, we will not be able to serve as many people or we will not yeah. be able to build as many parks. Well, what happens when children don't get quality early childhood education? Or what happens when all the green space in an expanding city is... is um, taken up by overzealous development. There's 
all kinds of ways to calculate that question of the cost of doing nothing or the cost to, is is it money? Is it society? Is it environmental? Is it everything? Um, I'm working with a food bank now that's pursuing funding around um, reducing the environmental cost of taking um, produce that's uh, that started to rot to the landfill, right? Because then it can help emit, and it's a huge part of landfills. I'm not going to preach about it, but it's like you would think food bank emissions, what? But it's a powerful argument. So if you're talking about sustainability, it could also be if you don't fund this, there are going to be X number of people who do not have access to healthy food or or, or clean air or a safe place, uh, safe green space or there are all kinds of arguments that you can make there and for larger proposals where you have the room, this could be an important part of your sustainability answer. Very good. Yep. And last but not least, we're going to wrap up with alternative sources of revenue. Yep. And what I'll say is here that you can get creative within reason, right? Within legal <laughs> confines of creativity. We are not lawyers, but we're saying y'all don't break the law to get there your you alternative go. sources. Use that alternative word in the yeah. legal area. Yeah. Don't get crazy. Yeah. Probably the, uh, the biggest thing that comes out of here is um, social enterprise, also known as earned income opportunity. And basically this is where you earn income by selling either some sort of product or service that typically relates back to your mission. And a perfect example of this is Girl Scout cookies, right? I mm. learned this from our friend Erica Harney. Um, mm. So Girl Scout cookies. I always thought that was a fundraiser for them, right? Nope. Cause it's, it's business. But it's not. It's, it's a business that they have. And it comes back to their mission, right? Because Girl Scouts, the whole point of Girl Scouts is to raise girls who can be leaders and business, not necessarily business owners, but they can lead the world in whatever form of work they decide to do as they grow older. But it teaches them about you know, selling. It teaches them about money. It teaches them about speaking skills because they have to talk to people and try to convince them to buy, you know, like, oh, twist like my a charm. Oh, I know. Lord. Oh, thin mints. I, I like the Tagalogs, but go ahead. Oh, those are good too. Oh, that's so good. Anyway, but that's, but it makes, it's, it's an enterprise. It makes money, but then that money goes right back into the nonprofit to yep. keep the work of the nonprofit going, right? Yep, yep. A lot of agencies that do work related to um, anything to do with job training may have like a coffee shop or even a restaurant. Or a meal delivery service. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's also, um, I actually learned this past week at um, a, a work-related thing I went to, the Salvation Army has, I believe it is a social enterprise where they are teaching women in, it's in Bangladesh and one other country, teaching them how to make things so they can start earning their own living. And then they, so they have a shop that you can online buy. Um, Cause sure. this meeting I went to, I got, I got the most, and of course they gave it to everybody, but I feel like someone knew that this is what I needed. It was a little black bag that, um, it's four pair of shoes to go in, like when you're traveling, but it has like different types of shoes designs are stitched on the bag. It was beautiful craftsmanship, but it's, uh, and I wish, uh, I wish I had grabbed the, I don't have it on. Well, they can't Wait, see. Yeah, they can't I, see. I know, but I would love to tell them the name. <laughs> I know, it's like, shop. Amanda, you know, they can't see you. They can't see what you're doing. No, I want to tell them the name of, because it's not, it's the Salvation Army, but it's called, um, oh, it's called Others. 
So it's a Salvation Army initiative that uses fair trade principles to achieve job creation and empowerment and poverty alleviation. Um, and so tradeforhope.com is the website. If anybody is interested, they, there's all kinds of things. Uh, they gave us several different things, but um, of course the shoe bags, what stuck it stood well, out for me. Cause I mean, <laughs> I've met you. I know it. Yes. I know it. But anyway, all I have to say, it's, it's still, a, it's a nonprofit that's doing work, right? We're teaching, jo- we're creating jobs. We're teaching job skills, but they've got this social enterprise that is earning money that they can then continue to teach more people how to do a job, right? So it's it's a great win-win. So that may, may be an option depending on the line of work you're in. As long as it's realistic and in keeping yes. with, I mean, you know, you got to be sensible about this. Absolutely. Um, but other things is you could potentially provide consulting or training services, uh-huh. right? Um, you could also trade out services. So maybe your organization is not very good at marketing, um, but when you're, you know, partners is and maybe there's something maybe you're better at social media than creating a you know so like maybe you could trade out services and so that's a way to help save money which is sustain help sustain your organization right um you could potentially sell ad space whether it's on your website on a blog um on i've seen government agencies that to help build and sustain the upkeep of their parks you know when they've got a ball field that has a big scoreboard they'll sell ad space on the scoreboard and that money can help maintain the park so it stays nice right you could potentially rent facility space kimberly you used to work at a nonprofit Mm. that had nothing to do with weddings but you had a beautiful venue so you leased it out for weddings that was awesome and that was income i know you (laughs) it's all good it was all good though it was an important it was a it was an and i would talk about that and when i was answering the sustainability question i would say our we our historic gardens net an average of blah blah per year and it helps sustain our our um programs and services absolutely there you go so so there's and we're not saying now we understand more often than not you have like 200 words to answer the sustainability question. So you're probably not touching on all five of these And you probably categories. shouldn't, right? You no. probably shouldn't. But you need to think about, based on the program you're doing and the grant you're going for, of these five things, which one or maybe two or maybe even three, depending on how much space you have and depending on what's true and accurate and fits, let's start thinking about the ways that we can use this. And again, don't just say, hey, we have a social enterprise. You want to be specific about what it is and about how much money you expect to bring in to help sustain your program. Or, hey, we're going to add another direct mail campaign this year to to fund this expansion of our gym, whatever it may be. Um, So I just wanted to just help you remember that... Even if you hate the sustainability question, like your buddy here, it is a perfect opportunity to let the funder know you are thinking long-term. And you know, yeah. your organization really should be thinking long-term. And if you as a grant writer can help, all the better. If you need to blame yeah. the funder and say, well, they want us to think long-term. Well, there you go. Because you're like, you got to be this high to ride this funding ride. So let's let's think long-term. Yeah. So not only are you working on funding through this one grant proposal, but you have other means of sustaining the program, even if the grant is a one-time deal, which unfortunately, so many of them are. Yeah. Um, it's okay to not like the sustainability question and work to explain to funders the issues it causes while you're still answering the question to the best of your ability so that you get to the grant funding in the first place. Thank you for listening. Your continued support is the reason 
that we are back for season five. Please follow and leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening to us on Spotify, follow and share the shows with your friends. It helps people like you find us, and we can all benefit and learn together. Thank you again to our season five sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We so appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website at dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. We're so honored you chose to spend time with us today and really hope you'll tune in for our next episode. Um, Kimberly and I are going to be talking about some of the steps that you can take to help build DEI into your programming and into your grant world and all that good stuff. With successful examples in the real world, come on back. Absolutely. So see y'all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.